So we're going to be studying the book of Hebrews, and the book of Hebrews is one of my favorite books, actually. Uh, and it's one of my favorite books because of just the really amazing thoughts that are included in in this book. And there's so many different angles that we could take from the book of Hebrews. But the angle that I want to take uh, tonight as we look at it is uh, the idea that we are pilgrims and that we are strangers. You know, have you ever felt out of place before? I imagine probably that at some point in time, we have all felt like we were out of place, like we didn't belong here. And we knew and everybody else knew that we were strangers. And the book of Hebrews, one of the themes, one of the ideas is that we are strangers. And many times when we think of pilgrims, we think of the Plymouth Bay Colony Pilgrims. But there's a lot of other pilgrims other than just the Plymouth Bay Colony. There are pilgrims that make journeys all the time to different places today. And all pilgrims are traveling. They're on a journey to someplace important. And the book of Hebrews really uh, presents this pilgrim journey and gives exhortations for us. When we look at the book of Hebrews, we actually find that there are four theological sections in the book of Hebrews and then four practical exhortations that take place from this, uh, from the, uh, these theological sections. And all of the theological sections deal with a different aspect of Jesus. And so let's begin in Hebrews chapter 1, and we'll read verses 1 to 3. Hebrews begins just in this magnificent way, and let's go ahead and read it. Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 3. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So Hebrews begins with this amazing declaration of Jesus here. And what is the declaration we have of Jesus that he uh, has appeared to us, spoken to us through his son, but he takes us far before and far beyond the cross. He takes us to uh, uh, Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, upholding all all things by the word of his power being the express image of his person. So in Hebrews chapter 1, the writer of Hebrews, who I believe is Paul, is presenting that Jesus is God, that he is the express image of God, that he is the brightness of his glory, and that he upholds everything. Very interesting. When we go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, notice what it says. So this is the Father speaking, and he's speaking to the Son, and he's quoting an Old Testament passage here. 
And notice in verse 8, it says, But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Anybody that doubts the divinity of Jesus, uh, a good place to reference is Hebrews chapter 1. Because here we have the Father referring to Jesus as God. And then in chapter or verse 10, it says, You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. So here he's, the Father is using uh, the uh, holy name, uh, the Tetragrammaton, what we would say uh, Yahweh or Jehovah. He's using that to refer to the Son or to Jesus. So this is an interesting verse for when our friends, Jehovah Witnesses, come around and try to tell us that Jesus is not Jehovah or he's not Yahweh, this verse clearly says that actually he is. And uh, so uh, just he's building the case here that Jesus is God. But then he goes to the, the practical section or the exhortation. Notice what he says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 here. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? So notice what it says here. We must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we let them drift away. It's easy when we begin our spiritual walk and we're on fire for the Lord. And then things happen and we begin to maybe drift away from that original walk, that original connection that we had with the Lord. And that's a very dangerous situation. And that's what uh, what Paul is warning against here. He says, let us give the more earnest heed, lest we let them slip away. You know, you think about drifting away. If you're in a boat and you're just floating along, it's gentle. It's imperceptible. You don't even recognize it, that you're just drifting along. And, you know, as you drift along, it can even be a pleasant feeling. But the danger is it's going to take you to some place that you shouldn't be going. If you go to Niagara Falls and just about a quarter of a mile upstream from Niagara Falls is a barge that is stuck there on some rocks. And a hundred years ago, this barge was dredging the uh, dredging the channel there uh, north or not I don't know which direction actually but upstream from uh, the uh, Niagara Falls and as they're dredging the channel and they were being pulled I believe by a towboat or something like that and the cable broke now imagine being on this barge as your cable to uh, your towboat has broken, and you begin drifting. But the difference here is you know what's is the uh, what's downstream. 
You might even be able to hear it. And so they began drifting, and I'm not sure how far they drifted, but they got within, you know, a quarter of a mile is not very long. You could hear the thunder of the of the water. And uh, they got wedged and stuck on some rocks. Now they were in the middle of the river with the fast current flowing, and they have to try to figure out how what to do now. I think if I'm remembering the account right, it took about a year, not a year, I'm sorry, a day. Uh, they spent all night out there, and what they ended up doing, I think, was shooting a rope from uh, one of the buildings that was on the shore and then uh, conveying the people back to safety from that. They couldn't take a boat out there because the boat would go, end up going over Niagara too. They couldn't swim because the current was too strong. And so they had to figure out some other means here. And when I when I think of that barge that's still stuck there today, a hundred years later or something, it was slowly drifting. And there have been other boats that have slowly drifted and ended up going over Niagara. And uh, here in Hebrews, it says, don't slowly drift away. Don't allow yourself just to slide along. Because as we drift, as we slide along, that leads us to grave danger. And so what is his solution to this? Notice uh, chapter 2 and verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. He says, we see Jesus. We see Jesus who was fully God, but became man, was made lower than the angels that he might rescue us. Our solution, the solution here to slowly drifting away is to look to Jesus, who is both God and man. Pilgrims that are on a journey do not drift away. Pilgrims that are on a journey keep on their journey, keep on their destination. But let's go to the next section here. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. And here he is building the analogy from the wilderness generation and who left Egypt. They were pilgrims. And as they left Egypt, they were going to the land of Canaan. They were looking for this promised land. They were on a journey. But after they had journeyed for about a year, they didn't make it to their journey, to their destination. Most of them didn't, at least, because they got diverted from their pilgrim journey. And he's warning us here that we do not become diverted from our pilgrim journey. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So here we read, he says, we need to exhort one another daily lest we be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. 
Sin is deceitful. We can think everything is okay, but be in rebellion against God. And so he says, be careful lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And take beware lest you have an uh, evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And so be careful, beware. Just like the wilderness generation, they started on their pilgrim journey, but as they started on their pilgrim journey, they didn't succeed. They didn't make it all the way because the hardships in the way were too much for them. And so he says, don't allow unbelief to creep in. Let us fear lest we fall short of that promise that he has given us. Let us fear lest this promise being left us and we do not enter it as he has promised. And so unbelief and disobedience caused the loss of an entire generation of pilgrims here. And how did it cause it? Because they neglected the journey that they were on. Difficulties and trials of the journey must not lead us to go away in unbelief like it did for them. And that is Paul's warning here. And what does he say? Notice chapter 3 and verse 1. His solution is always to look to Jesus. That's the solution for us. Remember Jesus, who is the ultimate pilgrim, who is the ultimate stranger in this world. Remember him. Look to him. Keep trusting in him. Chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. So here Paul presents Jesus in chapter 1 and chapter 2 as our the Messiah, the, our Savior, that is both God and is man. But here in chapter 3, he's presenting him as the apostle and high priest of our calling. Jesus is the apostle. He's the one that was sent out. Apostle means sent out ones. And he says, we are sent out just as Jesus was sent out. We are pilgrims just like Jesus was this pilgrim as well. It says in verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 4, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us Hold fast our confession. Hold fast. Don't let go. We can drift away. That's what he mentions in chapter 2. Slowly and imperceptibly be drifting away. But here in chapter uh, 4, he says we're to hold fast. I was visiting with a man one time and he was on a... I'm not sure what type of ship, but he was on a ship during World War II. And as he was on this ship during World War II, uh, he was a gunner on the ship. And he was, he distinctly remembered, and he described it for me, of uh, the kamikaze raid. The Japanese pilots were just coming down and crashing into his boat. And he remembers with the machine gun firing at them. 
And he said they were reinforced and the bullets were just bouncing off. And so here he is firing, but the, they keep coming and keep coming and the ship begins to sink. And he said that he just stayed at his position until he was waist deep in water and then he just walked off into the open water itself. So there's people everywhere and they were in the water for, I think, 10, 12 hours, something like that. And finally, a rescue boat comes to them. And a rescue boat comes to him and lets down a, uh, lets down a rope. And as he lets down this rope, he grabs a hold of it. And they begin to pull him up. But he's cold. He's exhausted. He had some internal wounds uh, from uh, some, I think he'd, a charger had hit him or something like that. And so he has all of this weakness going on. And as he was, he was getting lifted up, he wasn't able to hold on. And he, he, his hand slipped and he fell back into the water. They let down the rope again and he grabbed on and they began to pull him up. And as they pulled him up, he slipped again. So they let the rope down the third time. And he told me, he said he knew that if he did not hold on and hold fast, that they would leave him and go to others that would be able to hold on. And so for everything he was worth, he held on to this rope and they pulled him up and he collapsed on the deck of the boat. He realized that he had to hold fast. If he didn't hold fast, it was going to result in his death. And so we also, Paul says here, hold fast. Hold fast our confession. Don't let it slip away. Look to Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our calling. In chapter 6, verse 6, he talks about falling away, which is even more dangerous You know, if you slip away, that's one thing. You're gently slipping, gently drifting. But if you fall, are you you going the wrong direction at a much greater rate of speed? (laughs) If you fall, you are plummeting to the earth, right? And so he says, don't fall away. Hold fast. Look to Jesus, the author of our salvation. Look to him. Notice chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. It says, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Consider Jesus. Look to him. Now, what causes someone to slip away? When we slip away, it's kind of like we are imperceptibly, without even realizing it, we are just beginning to drift in the wrong direction. Unbelief causes us to be uh, deceived through the deceitfulness of sin. But here he's falling away. And he says, don't fall away. What causes them to fall away? Well, because they forgot what God had been telling them. Notice here verse 11 uh, of Hebrews chapter 5. Of whom we have much to say 
and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Since you've become dull of hearing, you've forgotten, you've fallen away. Consider Jesus. Look to Him as the apostle and high priest of our calling. Look to Him as the author of eternal salvation. And so every time here, Paul is giving a theological argument and then he is bringing a practical application to it. Very masterful. In fact, many people believe that the book of Hebrews was a sermon that was then uh, written down and or maybe it was written down and then preached, but it was made to be preached as a sermon. And when you look at the book of Hebrews, it is a It is indeed a masterful sermon when we look at it. Deep theology and practical application. Deep reasoning, practical application. And Paul is here writing and he's concerned that there are Jewish believers. It seems like they're Jewish because of the connections he's making to the Old Testament and the Levitical system. That there's Jewish believers that have begun to... Uh, they've become, begun their journey with the Lord. They've become strangers. They've become pilgrims. And they're on this pilgrim journey. But because of the difficulties, because of the challenges along the way, they've begun to slip back. And some have even started to fall away. And so there's this slipping away and this falling away as it takes place here. And uh, Paul is concerned and he's writing to them and he says, Jesus is God. He's also became man. Look to him. Don't drift away. Jesus is our apostle and high priest. You can trust him. Don't drift away in unbelief. Jesus is the apostle and he is the author of our eternal salvation. He is If he's the one that began it, he's going to finish it as well. Look to him. Don't drift away. And so he's giving all of these reasoning. And then he comes to really the major theological section of the book of Hebrews. It's what we're the most familiar with because it's what deals with the sanctuary and the uh, Jesus ministry in it. So Jesus is is the God-man. He knows what life is like we can follow him. Jesus is greater than Moses. He will bring us into the promised land. Jesus is the high priest who suffered and he knows what this journey is like. He can keep us from falling away. But then we come to basically Hebrews 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. And we see that he presents Jesus as a better priest than Melchizedek. Jesus is a better priest than Aaron and the tribes of Levi and the Levites. And he's also a better priest than Melchizedek. He's the ultimate priest and high priest. He presents Jesus with a better ministry. He's not ministering at the earthly sanctuary. We see this in Hebrews 8, 1 to, 1 to 5 there. He's ministering in a heavenly sanctuary that God erected and not man. And so He's the minister of a better covenant. He has a better ministry. He has a better covenant. What's this better covenant? It says in Hebrews chapter 8, and is actually just quoting from Jeremiah, that I'm going to write my law 
in your heart and in your mind. And so we have a better covenant brought to view here. We have a better sanctuary, not one on this earth that needed all the earthly ministration, but the heavenly sanctuary. And then we have a better sacrifice. And we find this in the latter part of Hebrews chapter 9 and Hebrews going into Hebrews chapter 10. Jesus entered into the better sanctuary. And he says there's a better priest, there's a better ministry, there's a better covenant, there's a better sanctuary. And because everything is better, you would expect there to be a better sacrifice as well. And so he's entered into this heavenly sanctuary, this better sanctuary, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but he's entered in this better sanctuary with his own blood that he is presenting for as uh, for eternal redemption. And so he's a better sacrifice as well. And so the book of Hebrews is appealing to these Jewish Christians that were in danger of turning back, were in danger of slipping away, danger of returning to their old walk. And he says, don't return to your own ways. Don't go back to Judaism. It's not superior. Jesus is a better priest. He has a better ministry and a better covenant and a better sanctuary and a better sacrifice. Keep on that pilgrim journey. Don't cast away your faith. It's interesting as you look at it, there's a progression here. Slipping away, falling in unbelief, falling away, and then casting away. Slipping is gently slipping, gently sliding. Falling away is more drastic, but casting away is like something you are doing yourself. You are throwing it away. And he's he's saying, don't slip away, don't fall away, don't cast away. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And he's coming really to the crux of his argument here. And verse 26, Some part of the reason seems to be, actually, let's go up just to verse 24 and 25. One of the reasons that it seems that they were in danger of slipping away was because they were no longer gathering together to worship. And so he's building his case. And then he comes to verse 25 of Hebrews 10 and says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Then he says in verse 26, for if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remain no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Judgment awaits those who do not continue on the pilgrim journey. Those that slip away, those that fall away. And then he's going to warn them the most of all about casting away. We read that in verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Don't cast away your faith. Why? Because Jesus is the author of our faith. And then he's going to continue and go to Hebrews chapter 11, which is the great hall of faith chapter. But we need to see it in the context that it is in the book of Hebrews. What is the context here? We need to keep on that journey of faith. 
Abraham was on the journey of faith. Moses was on the journey of faith. All of our fathers were on the journey of faith. And then he says in verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 11, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So here we read, they did not cast away their their faith. He says they embraced that they were strangers and pilgrims. They were on the journey of faith just like we are, but we must keep on that journey. Yes, strangers are difficult, different. Yes, strangers have a difficult way, but don't give up because Jesus is, and then he comes to verses Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. What do we look to here? Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look to Jesus. He is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. Run the race with endurance. You know, sometimes in an endurance race, the hardest thing is just to keep going. (laughs) Putting one foot in front of the other. And he says, lay aside the weights that clog us down. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus looked to the finish line. He knew that he was a pilgrim here. He came to reveal the love of God, the character of God to us. But not just did he do that. He came to reveal that we are to follow in his steps. We're to follow this pilgrim journey. And so we look to Jesus, who is God and is man. We look to Jesus, who is greater than Moses. We look to Jesus, who is the apostle and high priest of our calling. We look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's easy to slip. In fact, if you are, it's the default default pattern that we fall into is slipping away, drifting away, letting the current take us along. That's the default pattern. And so in order to avoid that default, we have to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Look unto him and live. We're called to be pilgrims on the journey. But the only way that we can be pilgrims is if we persevere in the journey. And the only way that we can persevere is by looking to Jesus. There's a, a saying helps us remember that we are pilgrims. It says, A fugitive is one who is running from home. 
A vagabond is one who has no home. A stranger is one away from home. But a pilgrim is one on his way home. And we're pilgrims. We're not fugitives. We're not vagabonds. We're strangers in the biblical sense. But we are not just away from home. We're on a journey to home. There's an event that took place about 100 years ago, I guess. President Roosevelt, well, he wasn't president anymore, but uh, Theodore Roosevelt was coming back from his African safari. Of course, Roosevelt was a very popular president. And as he returned from this safari where he had shot some of the elephants and I believe and some other things and some of them are still preserved in the Smithsonian if I'm not mistaken and as his boat came into the harbor at New York he was greeted by the mayor and by the governor and an immense crowd of people and uh, uh, adulation wherever he went he made it to his home there in Sagamore Hill in New York and greeted by all this fanfare, cheering multitudes and crowds. On that same boat was Dr. Henry Morrison. And he had gone on a missionary tour and was preaching Christ throughout the world. And there were many that had been led to Jesus. And here he sees the tremendous acclaim that Roosevelt had. Nobody's there to meet him. There are no cheering crowds. He gets on the train. He goes to his home. Nobody there greets him either. He picks up his satchel to make it the final leg of his journey. And he's feeling a little bit despondent. Here, Roosevelt shot a few animals And the multitudes rejoice over him. And as he picks up his satchel, a thought comes to him. Maybe you're not home yet. And as he thought of that, he realized, I'm a pilgrim. This is not my home. They might cheer for the people of this world. But I'm a pilgrim. And I'm on a journey home. And so as we think of this journey, this pilgrim journey, we need to determine by the grace of God, regardless of what the difficulties are in the way, that we will keep persevering by looking into Jesus and that we will leave behind whatever weight it is that hinders us. Whatever things that are, there are that might distract us or hinder us in our journey, we lead them aside as we look to Jesus and continue on the pilgrim way. And I want to follow that pilgrim way to be a pilgrim and a stranger looking unto Jesus. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we're grateful for your blessing. We thank you for Jesus and the pilgrim journey that he took, and that you call us to follow in that pilgrim journey. We pray that you will help us to be faithful. Help us to keep looking to Jesus 
whatever weights drag us down, we ask that you will give us grace that we may keep following you ever and always. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.